Hello, bonjour, hello, hi, heya, and previet hockey fans. Welcome back to the Europuck Podcast, the show where two Brits talk all things European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Hayden, or Oddman Rush, as you can see up there, and joining me once again is, of course, Chris Gadsby. Hey, Chris, hello, how are you doing? How are you doing today? Yes, very, well, I would say full of exciting things today, but it's really not. No? no nothing interesting at all, no? Uh, I cleaned the bin. Okay, fun. Yeah, um, that, that, that's yeah. I, t- I took the bin outside and attacked it with a hose pipe um, <laughs> to make sure okay. I definitely got it uh, got it clean. Um, that next week, next week's going to be more interesting. But this week's a bit kind of well, so far anyway, um, is a bit kind of boring. Oh yeah, to be fair, we are quite early on in the week. It is what Tuesday, the eighth of September. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, check, very check early on in, in the week. a few days time, and it might be a bit different. But... Exactly, and obviously. It might be boring for us in our like general day-to-day lives, but that doesn't mean it's boring in the hockey world, folks. We've got plenty of stuff to talk about. Quite a lot bad, unfortunately, or, or kind of like disappointing, sad, upsetting news. But there is some good. The KHL is almost a week old um, as we're recording this on the Tuesday. Uh, six days old, to be exact. Uh, there's currently some games going on in the KHL at the moment. I believe yep. uh, Vityaz is playing, aren't they? Who are they playing? Is it Dino uh, Riga? Yeah, uh, yes, and they're 2-1 down. Game of the day so far is uh, coming uh, after Mobilis, Yekaterinburg are 7-0 up against Kunlun Red Star. Now, I've got to give Kunlun Red Star credit here because from what I've heard, they haven't actually got many of their imports on the team yet. I think they're still waiting for visa transferals and everything because, you know, um, for those of you who don't know, Kunlun Red Star, who are usually based out of China, um, they've moved their home arena to Russia um, to start the season or to play the season because of all the difficulties that have taken place. And because they've had to do that, there's been a bit of complication in the visas and everything. So I believe they're playing with what some people have called on Twitter, like a bunch of fourth line KHL players. So given the fact that they're going up against Pavel Datsuk and, you know, like all the Avtomobilist crew and everything like that, it's a bit of an uphill battle for them. So give give credit where credit is due. They, they're fighting it out. They're not doing a very good job, but they're still like they're still on the ice doing a, trying their best, you know. But before we get into the KHL, I want to talk about some breaking news within the European hockey world, and that is the announcement that the 2020/21 Champions Hockey League is being delayed a little bit. It was supposed to start on October 6th, so just under a month was when it was supposed to start with this round of 32 instead of the group stages for this year. They obviously made a lot of um, changes to the format this year in order to accommodate the current global situation and make it easier for for the teams in the Champions Hockey League to get through each round in, in case there was any sort of, you know, travel restrictions or, or imposed on some of these European countries. They have announced now that they've pushed it back. There was a, uh, a meeting between a lot of the teams, a lot of the higher-ups within the league, and they decided, you know what, I think we need an extra six weeks or so to make sure that we get this, um, get, get this league ready and make sure the teams are established in their their domestic leagues because, you know, a lot of the um, leagues that we're going to be talking about within the next few episodes, they haven't quite started up yet. So they want to make sure that those guys have had their training camps, they're ready to go, and to give some of these teams that might not necessarily have their full rosters yet because of the current situation, gives them a chance to get a roster together and actually have the opportunity to compete. So I'm just going to bring up this here for you. The CHL shifts start to November. This is an article on the Champions Hockey League website. So let me just take you through it briefly and then, Chris, I'll get your thoughts on it. So due to the uncertainty caused by the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and the related travel restrictions currently in place for movement between European countries, the CHL board has decided to postpone the start of the CHL season until mid-November. 
Um, the playing format will remain a knockout only competition that will commence at the round of 32 stage. So it's important to mention they're not changing the format, the, the format of it whatsoever. It's still staying as one team's playing another team in the round of 32, then they move on to the next round after two games. There's no group stages being reintroduced because it's been postponed. It's staying exactly how it is. So the start of the 2021 Champions Hockey League been postponed until uh, the 17th of November, the previous start being the 6th of October. So an extra six weeks or so as per the CHL board's decision, which was made during an extraordinary video conference on Tuesday. So as you would imagine, this wasn't part of the plan in, in terms of the usual scheduling of the Champions Hockey League. But given the current situation, I feel like it was the right thing to do. So uh, just a quick quote from the CHL president, Peter Zanner. I hope I pronounced that right. I probably didn't. Unfortunately, the pan-European situation has recently not developed in a way that we are confident enough to confirm the start of the competition at the beginning of October, as new travel restrictions between some of our participating countries are currently hindering the completion of several of our matchups. Uh, six more weeks of preparation time will allow us to continue working on solutions for critical matchups, and ideally, some of the restrictions will be lifted in the meantime, the CHL president added. So, Chris, I've been mumbling for the last few minutes. Take us through yep. your thoughts on the Champions Hockey League being shifted until the 17th of November. Do you think it's the right thing to do? Do you think that the CHL is going to still go ahead? Do you think some teams will have to drop out, even though they've pushed it back by six weeks? What are your thoughts? Go for it. Well, we have seen in the past, um, we spoke about last week, the fact that um, the Cardiff Devils, the uh, Great Britain participant, have said that if it goes ahead in October, there's no way they can compete. Yeah. The only way I can see them even competing in November is if this league meeting announcement uh, next Tuesday comes back and says we're starting in December. Because if, if the Elite League isn't starting in December, they still won't have a team together by the 17th of November. Yeah. Um, so there may well still be teams dropping out. I think it's a sensible move to have them back to back because mm -hmm. the players that travel won't it won't there won't be any mess up between the two legs yeah so you'll get the two games in uh the travel restrictions they're trying to get around that by having the round of 32 and the round of 16 in the same place mm -hmm. um so take let's let's take the devils as an example they're playing uh farstad both of those games will be in farstad even what should be the devil's home game yeah. Um, so in theory, it's travel, be in a bubble, play two games, leave again, and then it's sorted. So I think from this at this stage, the Champions Hockey League, they're doing everything I think that they can do. They've they've condensed the schedules, they've given themselves a more time, they've tried to eliminate the possibility of COVID nineteen messing teams around in the middle of ties i.e in the week in between what should have been leg one and leg two and so they've condensed them both together to try and eliminate that um and yeah they're trying to obviously get through it a bit so if you look at the dates the round of 32 is on the 17th and the 18th and then the next week is the round of 16 yeah um that's advantageous for teams such as Cardiff, who haven't got a league, mm. some of the other um, some of the other leagues, they might have to do a bit of shimmying around of dates. Um, we're looking what, so we're playing Tuesday, Wednesday each yep. time. 
So it shouldn't be too bad for the leagues that focus primarily at the weekends. But um, yeah, it's, it's about as, as, as good as they could do. Um, and see some European countries are trialling having fans in. Um, so whether some teams might feel slightly hard done by, particularly if both games are in one arena, mm. you, you've got a team that's effectively got two home ties, perhaps. Um, but I think it, particularly in the round of 32, there are, yes, there are some close ties, but there do tend to be kind of aggregate scores that are getting up to kind of eight, nine, ten in favor of one team. Yeah. Um, so perhaps that's not uh, quite so much of, of a problem. Um, I mean, well, obviously we're going to have to wait and see what happens as, as weeks Definitely. go on yeah. um, in terms of if it does go ahead in, uh, at all. We've seen that the Continental Cup is getting postponed. Mm. Uh, sorry, well, it's been cancelled completely. Yeah. Um, but I think from the information that they've got at this present moment in time, they've done everything right, in my opinion. They've pushed it yeah. back. They've condensed it. Um, and I think we're just going to have to wait and see and hope that it comes off. But in my view, they've, they've done everything right and should be commended. Uh, I've got to be honest. I completely agree with you, Chris, here. I, I, I don't think you can fault the Champions Hockey League for deciding, you know what, given the current global landscape, given the fact that we've got teams all over Europe that want to or have to compete against each other in the round of 32, obviously some of the bigger European countries might argue, oh, well, why not just put us pit us up against a team from our other our, our domestic country so two swedish teams go at it two finnish teams etc etc obviously that would completely destroy the round of 32 that's set up in the champions hockey league and obviously some people might make the argument oh well it's because of all of these other smaller countries that have one or two teams that we have to kind of postpone things and allow things to kind of change within the global landscape a little bit but i think given the league that they've got set up where they want to give as many teams or as many leagues in Europe the opportunity to compete for the Champions Hockey League tournament or the trophy. Yeah, you can't really fault them for what they've done here. I, I think the biggest thing to take from this is they're doing the best that they can given the circumstances that we're in. You've got to remember that, I, I don't know off the top of my head how many countries are in it, but we're talking about a dozen countries roughly that are in the Champions Hockey League. It's sort of like nine to 12 countries that are in the CHL and you're competing with potentially nine to 12 different European regulations, because obviously some of them are in the European Union, some of them aren't, some of them are more connected to the European Union than others. The European Union might have certain, um, certain regulations in place that might not agree with the current situation in those countries. So, so I think, yeah, Chris, I completely agree with you in the sense that you've got to give credit where credit is due. They're doing the right thing here because you need to make sure... First of all, the players are safe, the fans are safe, hockey comes second in this situation, which sucks as a hockey fan who likes watching the Champions Hockey League, who likes keeping up to date with all the stuff that's happening. It sucks to see that hockey's being pushed back by a month, but in terms of the, the bigger picture, it, it's far more important to make sure everything can go off without a hitch, as opposed to trying to rush things just for the sake of trying to make them work. We've seen it with uh, the MLB in North America. They tried to rush things. They didn't really have a plan in place. Loads of their players went down with COVID and they had to scramble to try and fix things. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris. Commend the Champions Hockey League for the effort that they've done. It's important to make sure that everybody's safe and everything's done in the correct way. I'd rather they 
postpone things a little bit and do it the right way than try and rush things. So that, that was the big news that was announced literally a couple of hours ago before we went live. So um, we thought we'd start off with that, you know, biggest breaking news. Let's start with that. Now let's move on to something that's that's far more upsetting and sad, but important to remember, folks. I know we're starting this off with, 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 with a great sort of track record of, guys, let's get depressed and then we'll build ourselves back up. But, you know, it's better to start with the bad news and then finish with the good news than the other way around, in my opinion. And the, the reason I want to bring this up is because it's a very big anniversary since the event. And that is, of course, the KHL's locomotive plane crash. Now, for those of you who aren't aware what happened in this instance, on September 7th, 2011, the Lokomotiv Yaroslav team of the KHL were set to fly and play a game elsewhere in the league. Unfortunately, their plane had a huge crash, a massive disaster of a crash, and it killed pretty much every single player on the roster and team staff. I, I believe maybe one or two people survived off the top of my head. Um, I think one survived the initial crash but then passed away later in hospital chris could you could you find maybe the uh an article about that just to double check that i want to make sure we give this the respect it deserves and make sure that we get the information correct but i know there were several former nhlers that were obviously part of the khl locomotive team that perished in this crash is obviously a heartbreaking event you 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 hearken back to things like the humboldt um disaster with with the junior hockey team in canada a couple of years ago this is kind of on that same level of it was just a horrible, horrific, tragic event that happened. And considering we're recording this a day after it happened, I felt like we needed to acknowledge it and kind of send our, our, our thoughts and prayers to the families and anybody related to the locomotive organization, any family members that had family members that were in the, the crash itself. Obviously, every year you go on, it kind of becomes more difficult to remember because everything else is happening in the world. But into the hockey world is a very tight-knit community so when something like this happens it stays in our minds for quite a long time so chris is there anything you want to add on kind of the nine-year anniversary of this um yeah i mean of course it was uh really sad so eight crew members 37 uh passengers um everyone uh died apart from uh, alexander sizov um he was the only um, survivor. There was uh, Alexander Galimov as well. Um, as you said, he um, died five days later. Um, but he was uh, so, and Sizov uh, was in intensive care for for a while um, and was discharged uh, on the twenty eighth uh, of October. But it's again, it, as you say, it's similar to the to the Humboldt uh, disaster in, in that the the hockey community really just came around. Ev locomotive Yaroslavl, um, you know, every everybody came together, um, which often happens in uh, after tragedies like these. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you said, it, it's a difficult thing to uh, remember as importantly each year because so many other things happen. Um, I suspect it's probably held more and remembered more with fans and in the area yeah. of, of the team than it would be here mm. um, in the same way as people in America and, you know, that area remember 9-11 probably much more than we do here. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because we are so further away from, mm. from what happened, um, 
but it is, um, you know, it's st- still important. Um, and yeah, a, a tragic accident. Absolutely. And th- the one thing I really do like about when this day comes around on the KHL schedule every year is that every single team that holds a home game on se- on September 7th that year of that season, they always f- um, place a locomotive logo with the um, remembrance sign of the plane crash. I think it's a it's a black um, it's a, it's a black sign similar to the breast cancer awareness sign here in the UK. Um, they put that on a locomotive scarf or a piece of locomotive clothing, and they place it over a seat. And those seats are reserved. Nobody sits in them for the entire game to kind of remember those that could or would have been in attendance in these games if they hadn't have passed away in this event. So. RIP to the locomotive team. Obviously, it's a tragic event, but it deserves its chance to be remembered within the the general hockey world. So I wanted to make sure we got that out of the way earlier on in the episode to give it the respect it deserves, but at the same time, so we weren't talking about all the great things that happen before and then talk about this later on and kind of put a damper on things or kind of not give it the time and the respect that it deserves. So RIP locomotive, you're within the hockey world's hearts always. So Now let's move on to something related to the KHL. It's a little bit more upbeat, interesting, kind of a recap of the first week of the KHL season, Chris. So I've got the standings up here in the KHL and we've got some teams that are doing pretty well. We've got some teams that are doing not so well. So let's just go through them, shall we? So at the top of the Western Conference in the uh, uh, KHL, uh, this is after six days of competition. So most teams have only played a couple of games. Uh, We've got CSKA Moscow at the top of the Western Conference. They've played one more game than nearly all the other Western Conference teams. Severstal and Spartak have both, uh, and Dinamo Minsk have all played three games as well. But they lead with five points. All the other teams have got either four or less. Uh, uh, Dynamo Moscow are down at the bottom. And HC Sochi are also at the bottom with zero points in two games each, as is Dinamo Riga. So... We're now starting to see, obviously, it's only the first week of the KHL season, so there's still plenty of hockey left to play, folks. But we're starting to see the teams that are coming out a little bit hotter than others. Severstal very much surprised me, the fact that they're up in second place. They're a team that never usually sits that high up the standing, so fair play to them. And then in the Eastern Conference, we've got Avangard Omsk, the front runner in the Eastern Conference, undefeated so far this season. Metalurg Magnitogorsk also have uh, four points on the season as well. Salavat Yuleyeva undefeated as well with six points on their season. And then at the bottom, we've got uh, Sabir Novosibirsk. We've got Kunlun Red Star. Obviously, we talked about them struggling with some of their imports at the moment. So you can kind of chalk it up to that a little bit, but you can also chalk it up to they're a team that kind of struggles to make it to the playoffs every year. So the fact that they're there shouldn't surprise too many people that know the KHL quite well. And then Amur is down at the bottom, haven't won a single game in three attempts. Uh, and they've allowed 16 goals, Chris, to the six goals they've scored. So not exactly the, the best start for Amur. Um, so looking at these stats so far, Chris, looking at kind of the standings in the KHL after the first six days, what are your thoughts? Are you thinking we're we're still far too early to kind of tell some of the front runners? I, I, have you actually seen any of the KHL? I know obviously our, our Twitter page has been uh, looking at a lot of the kind of gifts and the highlights that the KHL put out. I've got to admit, it looks like there's been some pretty good hockey on display there over in Russia and Eastern Europe. What do you think, Chris? There, there has been some good stuff, hasn't there? Mm. Um, I mean, I've been looking a bit. I mean, on this, the standings that I'm looking at are updating live. 
Um, okay. So after Mobilist are now at the top of the East after a 7-0 victory over Cunnell and Red Star. Fair enough. Um, they've, they've impressed early doors. They've only conceded one goal in their first three games. Wow. <laughs> nice. So, you know, an impressive start for them. As I said, they've uh, they beat Cunnell and Red Star um, 7-0. Their only goal against actually was against uh, Tractor Shelly Binks because they beat uh, Spartak Moscow by a single goal to nil. I, I, I believe um, that was the um, uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, the New York Rangers prospect then, has scored the only goal against Avto in the entire season. I, I think it may have been Kravtsov, it may have been somebody else, but I can't remember. Something like that. I don't know. Carry on talking, Chris. Metalurg, <laughs> <laughs> um, Magnitogorsk, again, they've only conceded one goal as well, so their defence is looking strong, at least in the early um, in the early stages. Uh, at Barnes Kazam, interesting one because mm. yes they've won two games but they haven't got it done in regulation yet yeah um, that's true so that's, i mean okay yes you know they had what csk moscow on the opening day of the season yeah and then so they so their two overtime wins are against csk moscow and sk st petersburg so we will give them a bit of leeway with that I, I, I will say though, I will say though, their uh, their game against SK St Petersburg, they gave up a two to nothing lead they in the final nine minutes of the game or something like that. So so SKA managed to kind of they went down two goals late in the third period. They managed to come back, tie it up, and get the the loss in overtime. So obviously Akbar's Kazan still won the game, but they blew the two to nothing lead. So they they've looked a little bit shaky to start the season not not the kind of the dominant eastern conference team that we've come to expect and the fact that they've uh, according to the khl website um they've scored six goals and allowed eight so you know they're still not a, a net positive team in the goal scoring so the fact you, you could kind of say oh well it's because it was too close overtime games that made the difference or you could say oh well they're not quite on form yet will that continue obviously we'll have to wait and see won't we but yeah well, I mean, the the big problem with Akbar's Kazan is the you, you've got those two overtime wins, but yes, they gave up the um, the two goal lead against SK, as you said. Uh, but before that, they got shut out four nil by Vitus. Yeah, that's so true. You're there, like you know, they they don't seem to have found their form really early on uh, in the KHL. Um, it does strike me that the the East is perhaps more split than the West, particularly early on. Mm. You've got three teams at the top that have won three from three. You've got three teams at the bottom that have lost three from three. Whereas when you look at the West, nobody is... Well, the well, locomotive Yaroslavl are, are two for two, but nobody is really undefeated. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah uh, locomotive Yaroslavl are the only team and they've only played two games that haven't lost yet in the West. Mm. Whereas when you look at the the East, you've got three teams that are three for three. You've then got Metalogmanitogorsk at a two for two. So it's it seems much more kind of split early on in the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I think what one interesting thing to mention is out of all of the teams, we've already got our current lowest goal scoring team of the KHL. HC Sochi, one goal in two games, nine against. <laughs> oh, that's a that's that's a tough run for Sochi. Obviously, uh, we we talked about Sochi a lot last episode, being a team that's kind of they're kind of on the verge of being a playoff contender. They're kind of if if they finished anywhere between like seventh and twelfth, you'd understand, or seventh and eleventh, like they could fit 
either very low playoff berth or outside the playoffs either wouldn't surprise you. They've obviously not had the start they've wanted, but let's be honest here. We're only two, three games into the season. This isn't make or break for any of these teams. Sure, it's important games to kind of get your season off to a good start, but I think it's also very important to mention that these might be ga- these these might be games that these teams look back on at the end of the season and go, ah, like I really wish we were able to be on our form a little bit more and pick up some of those points because it might have helped us later down the line. But losing one game in your first three isn't going to mean that you're not going to make the playoffs or have a good season. Like the, the the good thing is with the hard salary cap, and this is something we didn't necessarily mention too much in our last episode, is the fact that this is the first real season in the KHL where a hard salary cap has been introduced. Um, but in the previous seasons, they've had a luxury salary cap similar to the NBA in that sense that you can pay over the salary cap, but you uh, but it costs you more. Or it, it counts towards the cap and you have to pay more of that outside of your actual team as opposed to towards the salary cap. Now they're do- using a hard salary cap. So that we are seeing examples of teams that usually aren't up there actually playing quite well, like Dinamo Minsk. We talked about them before. They've obviously had a bit of an interesting first week in the KHL this season, which I made a video on on my channel earlier this week. Um, so uh, they're, they're up the top. Sevastal Sharapovets, they're up the top, which you don't usually expect to see. Uh, Vityaz has had a decent start to the season. you got teams like... Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, the East is kind of more what I expected. Maybe Traktorcelli being, being slightly higher. But other than that, the East is kind of shaping up how I would expect it to. But the West is kind of all over the place at the moment, which makes it a little bit more exciting, doesn't it, Chris? Yeah, it, it is. It is more exciting when you when you don't know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, I'm just looking at the uh, the early stats leaders after this first week, okay. and it's it, there's so many different teams. Like, mm. I mean, often you get you know players out in front. So uh, top points so far: Grandland Marcus of Salavat Yuliev. Then you've got a couple from Avangards, then Lokomotiv Yaroslav, and then Severstal. You look at the defensemen, the top five are five from five different teams. Mm. It's all going uh, well so far. The one thing that jumped out at me was uh, Dynamo Minsk. Um, yeah. have two with assists. They've got two players on four assists. So they're, you know, they're passing the puck around really nicely. Mm. Um, so you know, we're going to have to wait and see. I think you've got to give it a few... Um, a few weeks, three weeks to a month, just to really kind of settle down. Then you can really start to see what's going to happen. But so far, it's, it's been great to see, like, as you said, different teams up there, some teams that you perhaps uh, don't expect. Um, HK Sochi have just taken the victory, actually, oh. um, in overtime by three goals to two against Tractor Shelly Binks. Wow. Um, so three two victory uh, for them. It's still three all in the... Uh, second period uh, between Riga and uh, Vitis. But um, yes, yeah, Sochi there then getting their first uh, overtime, uh, well, get, yeah, getting a win um, in overtime. So uh, yeah, interesting to see different different teams, as we said, in, in different places that you might not expect. Whether it will still be that in a month or two's time, we'll have to see. But Yeah, that, that that's the really important point, I think, to add. And I'm glad that you brought up the... Uh sort of stat leaders in the KHL so far this season because it gave me a good segue to kind of bring them up on uh, on the on the image here for you guys to see. So we, we've got the kind of uh, points leaders and, and defenseman points leaders showing at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think it is important to mention this is only the first week of the season. Let's give it a few more weeks before we can kind of be like, okay, now we're starting to see the front runners here. 
Um, but like Chris mentioned, Marcus Granlund got off to a really good start. He's a goal a game. It's nice to hear that um, Sochi hasn't just scored one goal um, against. They've got their first win of the season. That's good to hear. Reed Boucher's made a really good first impression in the KHL. Um, he's got three goals in three games also, as does Sergei Shumakov of Avangard. So Avangard have come out guns blazing so far in this season. Uh, they, they really want to show that maybe they're a little bit too top heavy. Maybe they're not. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Magnus Pajari Svensson at fourth place in, in points. We're going to come on to him in a moment as we look at the uh, stars of the week for the first week. Yeah, uh, but uh, Brennan Menel of, the, of, of Dynamo Minsk, number 27, four assists in two games. And he's playing 23 minutes of ice time. So, you know, he's out there quite a lot. Uh, Darren Dietz of Baris Astana, you know, two goals in three games, four, uh, two points on the season, 23 minutes of ice time. Um, and a plus two as well. That's a good stat to have as well. We'll get onto him in a moment. And the goaltenders in terms of save percentage, you've got, um, I'm going to butcher this name, but I'm going to give it a try nonetheless. Uh, Yuho Olkinura. Olkinura? I'll go with that. Um, he's so far the save percentage leader, as is uh, Daniel Isayev, because they've both won a game and got a shutout. So, you know, they're, the, they're two of the only uh, netminders still around that have uh, a perfect 100% save percentage. Uh, Jakub Kovar, we're going to go on to him in a moment. Then you've got the goals leaders, the goals by defenseman, the goals against average, which, of course, the two netminders with the shutouts are doing well. But the one stat I do want to mention is assists. And this one doesn't, this one's kind of buried a lot deeper down the list compared to some of the other stats on the KHL website. Ryan Spooner, former Vancouver Canuck, former Edmonton Oiler, former New York Ranger, former Boston Bruin. Four assists in two games for Ryan Spooner. A minus one, granted. Um, he hasn't scored a goal yet this season, but, you know, he, he spent a lot of last season with Dinamo Minsk also. He's playing 17 minutes of ice time a night. They, they need a player like that if they want to stay up to the top of the standing. So it, it, it's really good that some of these usually weaker teams or usually teams that you don't really expect too much of they're actually doing something pretty good in the khl to start off the season so fair play now speaking of those first stars of the week or, or the the stars of the week for week one they are here i'm bringing them up here for you so um jakob kovar darren dietz magnus Pajavi svensson and dmitry samurikov are the players of the week for week one i'll just bring up the image here for you guys to look at and then chris i'm going to get your thoughts so jakob kovar 2-0 on the season. Pretty good start. 0.984 save percentage and a 0.5 goals against average. So, you know, that's a pretty good goalie of the week, if you ask me. Um, Darren Dietz is the defenseman of the week. He gets a plus three rating, two goals, and 11 shots on goal, I might add, in the first couple of games of the season. So just because he's playing on the back end doesn't mean he's not going to get shots on goal. So the captain of uh, Barris manages to get the first star of the week on her. Forward of the week goes to Magnus Pajavi Svensson. Two goals, two assists for four points for Locomotive, which given everything we've talked about with Locomotive recently, I don't know if you guys can see this on the image, but that's uh, the thing that I'm moving the mouse around. That black sort of uh, ribbon is what they used to show to honor the um, uh, Locomotive plane crash nine years ago. And then the Rookie of the Year goes to Dimitri Samurikov, or not Rookie of the Year, Rookie of the Week, I should say. God, we're not at the end of the season already. Um, rookie of the week goes to CSKA's Dmitry Samurikov. A plus two, one goal, and 18 minutes time on ice. So, you know, throw a rookie out there, give him 18 minutes of ice time. You can expect some good things from them. So, Chris, what are your thoughts about the stars of the week? Some of the highest point scorers. You think we're going to see lots more high scoring action over the next couple of weeks? Do you think things will start to settle down a little bit as we kind of, as every player gets into the groove of the regular season? We kind of see this with the NHL as well, don't we? A lot of high scoring games, a lot of 
uh, games where you wouldn't want to be a defenseman or a goaltender because there's just goals going in left, right and centre. What are your thoughts on the first week of the KHL season, Chris? Yeah, we do see it a lot. Um, similarly to the uh, NHL, as you said, when particularly early on, there's an awful lot of goals. Um, I think we're potentially going to get more in the KHL. And the reason that I say that is because it, it is kind of a bit of a two... It's a league of two halves in many respects. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at, you know, you when you come up against Kunlun Red Star, you'll be hoping that you put in a good performance and get a good few goals, which will obviously boost the points. Mm. When you compare it to kind of the NHL, you don't really get a team that you turn up and expect to put five or six past. Yeah. So... I think we we could see some some quite high points. I think it I think it will settle down, um, particularly as the the games kind of up in intensity as the season goes on. Um, but if you've got you know forwards like uh, Svensson who's going to put four points it, it up in two games, then he's obviously going to be a good, a good contender for that. Um, I agree with the netminder purely because he's done it over two games rather than yeah. the the netminders who have just shut out over one. Mm. Um, and as you said with CSKA, Moscow putting a rookie out for 18 minutes is, is, is can be a bold move. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he scored in his, his debut and doesn't have any negative ratings. So we'll have to see how long that uh, lasts for. Oh, definitely. And I, I think a good mention of uh, Jakob Kovar, the goaltender of the week, they just shut out Kunlun Red Star, didn't they? So that's another shutout on his record. Three games. He's playing pretty well for that team, so he, he's well-deserving of that um, goaltender of the week stat. So that's pretty much a look at the first week of the KHL's regular season. If you guys have any thoughts on teams you want us to look at in a little bit more detail, uh, if there's if you want us to keep like updating you with the players of the week, obviously as we go deeper into the season and more leagues and more teams are starting to play hockey again, we won't necessarily have enough time to go through all the KHL like we do every week, but... What we can do potentially is have a, you know, quickly go through the, the players of the week for that week, kind of talk about the top teams in each of the divisions, some of the worst teams in each of the division, and kind of just give like a rough like five, ten minute summary every week or something like that. That could be a good idea if that's what you guys are interested in. But as obviously the Swedish Hockey League and the Finnish League and the Champions Hockey League hopefully get started, then we're going to have a lot to talk about. Let's put it that way, folks. Speaking of... Uh, players that are hoping to kind of get on the ice soon. Let's just quickly talk about the Polish League once again, folks, because we've kind of had a bit of an update, a bit of news regarding the Polish League. So, Chris, do you want to just take us through? Because we talked about it last week. Um, we said that we were expecting it to start relatively shortly. It didn't start over this last week, but it is starting very soon, isn't it, Chris? Yep, it starts on Friday. Oh, Friday. Uh, Polish Hockey League. Yep, this Friday. So the day, in fact, this comes out. Okay. Um, so I'll uh, I'll rephrase. It starts today. Oh! Um, <laughs> <laughs> depending on when you're watching this podcast, it starts today. Oh my! Um, yeah. So as I've uh, mentioned before, so there are what eleven teams in this league, aren't there? No, I ten teams so. in something like that. Ten teams. Ten teams in the league. I couldn't. I tried to add up the logos quickly, and it completely <laughs> failed. Oh no, it didn't completely fail. They've got eleven dots on the map, but only okay. ten teams. Anyway, there are ten teams. All of them are in action on Friday, um, and I feel sorry for. Uh, let me just have a look. Which team is it that I feel sorry for? 
I'm really, I'm sympathy corner over here. <laughs> I'm working out which uh, team it is that's got the horrendous trip. Oh, yeah, um, from, from up north, yeah? Yeah, um, it yep. is Dansk. Uh, Dansk have still got the horrendous trip because oh. um, they were away on opening night to uh, Unai Oswishim, who we know uh, we discussed in... No, it was in the main... I was yeah, say last episode. episode. Last it was episode. In the main yeah. one, wasn't it? Uh, Elisa um, Sherbatov. Yes, I couldn't remember if we did it in the main episode or in the bonus episode. Yeah, it was the main um, episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they've got a trip down um, there. Uh, we've got uh, JKH uh, GKS Yastrobir. Uh, they are up against uh, Zalabi Ozvainshim. Uh, then we have uh, Hodhale Noitag. Uh, they are facing. Uh, they're facing Krakow, uh, Krakow, Krakow. Uh, then we have STS Sanok. They are up against uh, GKS Tahir. Uh, and then finally we have uh, GKS Katowice, and they are up against KH Torrens. So those games are well. Our time here in the UK. Uh, five o'clock and one at half past five on Friday. Um, but yeah, Polish league getting underway. Exactly. So if you're a hockey fan in Poland, if you're nearby Poland in one of the neighboring countries and you kind of want to get the chance to keep up with some hockey much closer to home, then the Polish Hockey League is starting the day of this podcast release. So go and check them out. Well, obviously, before some of the other leagues keep up to date, we'll probably do a bit of a recap of some of the games that take place um, for our next episode in episode four, just because some of the other leagues haven't uh, started yet. Once, and I think that this is a, a good point to mention now, once pretty much the entirety of European hockey gets underway, we're very much going to focus on kind of the big hitters of the Swedish Hockey League, the KHL, the Finnish Liga, the Swiss National League. But that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about any interesting stories or controversial things that happen in some of the other leagues. Obviously, we're trying to talk about the entirety of European hockey here on this podcast. So there will be some weeks where we don't talk about certain leagues or certain teams. If you want us to talk about them, just let us know and we'll talk about them the next episode. You know, just send us a tweet on yeah, Twitter, so email us, anything the, like that, you know. The Polish league's a little bit interesting. Um, okay. So last year, there were kind of, I'm going to say 10 and a half teams. Okay. And the reason I'm going to say that is because 10 teams played 47 games and then one team played 20. Interesting. Now, the reason for that, from what I can gather, and I'm doing some very quick maths here. So there's the <laughs> 10 main teams. Okay. Uh, one of which uh, got relegated last year. So they have done a one-up, one-down. I know we're going to talk about relegation later on. Indeed we are. Um, so the 10 teams, so there's nine other teams that you play and they seem to play them five times. Okay. So it would be three home, two away. And then I'm guessing a little bit like the Six Nations rugby, they then swap. So okay. if you played this team at home three times last season, you'll play them away three times this season and mm -hmm. it will keep switching back. Uh, and then, so that would make 45 games. And then they played Katowice under 23 twice. So they okay. all... So the Catalyst under 23 teams would play the other 10 teams twice, giving them 20. And the other 10 teams would play Catalyst twice to give them an extra two, which would be 47. That okay. seems to be what's happened. Um, so don't know whether that's going to happen at some point this year. I don't know whether it's in the back half of the year, the under 23 team coming in. I can't really seem to uh, find because it just says 
2019. It doesn't give me anything better than that on flash scores. Um, so we'll just have to see how that one pans out. But yeah, Polish Hockey League starting on uh, Friday. And on, as we said, we're going to be looking out. I think we're going to ask for is our uh, kind of team in the Polish League after the story we ran last week. Pretty much, yeah. I think we'll keep a good eye on uh, Eliza Sherbatov to see how he does in the first couple of games of the season. Hopefully he produces a few points for the team and they maybe come away with a few wins. Um, so yeah, that was the discussion about the Polish League once again. Just wanted to mention them again. Obviously, not much hockey in terms of the wider European landscape taking place at the moment. So while we've got the opportunity to mention a few of these lower tier leagues across Europe, why not? You know, they have a place yeah, in the Champions got, Hockey League. Sir. They're worth talking about if you ask me, you know. We've got some other stuff uh, starting with. So we've got some games in the Slovakian Super Cup as well today. Okay. Um, so that that seems to be kicking off as well. Um, the, the cup competition, they're in, uh, I don't know exactly the format, um, but they, they seem to be playing in groups at the moment, four groups of four. So it looks like that might just be a knockout competition, probably pre-season. I had a look at the Slovakian website, couldn't see anything about a regular season starting. Okay. Um, so don't really know about that. Uh, now, in, the other thing that was interesting is the um, the Czech Republic uh, Generali Seska Cup. Uh, now, we spoke about the quarterfinals um, here. They were played over two legs. The semifinals found a little bit interesting because they both got, um, they've been postponed or they've been completely cancelled. Whether a team's pulled out or not, I'm not uh, entirely too sure. Um, but the semifinals just didn't happen, and uh, two teams have been put forward into the final. Uh, the final should be on uh, two-legged, first leg tomorrow and the second leg on Saturday. So we'll keep you posted on that uh, on our Twitter feed. Make sure you check that out every day for the European hockey results. And, and as I said, plenty of friendlies going on as well. Um, Belarusian uh, Extra League is starting up as well. Uh, the Latvia League as well, the Optibet Hokaj Liga, that's uh, kicking off. Um, we've had the first game of that, but nothing else really seems to be happening. So a lot of what I'm going to call the minor leagues, which we might touch mm. on very briefly in like a one minute summary, something like that, are, yeah. are kicking off. Um, but yeah, as I said, we're waiting a little bit longer for some of the big leagues. So so what we could do is uh, next episode, just be like, okay, these are all the kind of lower tier leagues in the European circuit. They all kicked off this week. Some of the teams that played, or that are starting within the next week. I feel like that'd be good to do. We want to make sure yeah. we mention as many leagues as possible because the one thing that Chris and I have been really impressed with since we started the podcast is how many hockey fans from how many different countries we've had sending us comments and, and thoughts and telling us they really enjoy it. We've had uh, we had an email this morning on our Europuck email from someone from Belgium, for example. Belgium, really yeah. Cool. We've had, uh, what, a Latvian listener. Yeah. Someone who's from Ukraine as well. So, yep. so yeah. it's been great to, to see you know, how many people looking at our analytics as well and see where everybody's coming from. And so it truly does feel like we're kind of sweeping the continent. It really does. I mean, I mean, uh, the Brits are taking over, Chris, you know, so we are um, taking over. We are taking over. And like, it, it's nice that we've kind of found that niche here in yeah. the kind of European or kind of the hockey world, because there's a million different podcasts that talk about their domestic leagues. There's a million different podcasts that talk about the NHL. We kind of seem to be hitting a, a very specific market. There's a lot of people that are very happy that we're a European hockey podcast in English because there's supposedly not many of them out there that are discussing kind of the entirety of Europe. So if we fill that friends. niche, we'll keep doing it. You know, you're welcome, folks. Um, Don't so tell your friends. Get them all to... Exactly, uh, exactly. We're, we're actually doing really well in terms of the first couple of episodes and how successful they've been. So 
hopefully it keeps going up from here. But so to finish yeah. off this episode of the Europuck podcast, I would like to go through some audience questions. Yeah, audience questions. Yes, this we've week, had some very, honest. very good They've ones. And great. like the rest of the episode has been a little bit shorter than usual, which really helps us out because it means we can go into a lot of detail about some of these. So the first question I have for you, Chris, was via Twitter. I'm just going to get it up mm -hmm. again uh, from at Joe Blackburn. So Joe, Joe, thank you very much for the question. We really appreciate it. I know he's one of my uh, followers on my YouTube channel as well. So thank you for giving us the question here. Um, his question, Chris, and I feel like this is one that we might be able to answer pretty well. You especially. Um, oh, okay. How do you want the British game to expand over the next few years to gain more exposure and become bigger and better? What can be done to do this? So essentially, the EIHL, the Great British Hockey Programme, the system, what are the best ways or how do we want to see them expand and grow the game and get, get more exposure, not just within the UK, but around the world over the next few years? What are your thoughts? It's, it's difficult. And I mean, I looked at a live stream uh, I watched a live stream the other day and they were saying how back in the, the 90s, um, when Sky was like just starting up, Sky would pay him a fair amount of money to put ice hockey on the TV. Yeah. Um, it's now completely flipped. And if we mm. want to put ice hockey on TV, we'd have to pay Sky quite a lot of money, which the league doesn't have. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is difficult. Um, I think one of the good ways of doing it would be, well, is good participation and showings in the world championships yep i agree um, i think we're going to help ourselves now um obviously we're going to get hammered quite a bit yep um <laughs> again still we got uh, so it's next year now who we got we've got russia sweden czech republic switzerland slovakia denmark and belarus um, so probably Denmark and Belarus are the ones we're going to have to target in that. Yes, please. Uh, I can't imagine we're going to be doing too well against Russia and Sweden. Yeah. Um, yep. But so there, there is a lot of that. Um, I think, you know, good showings in that is going to help. I think that they're doing all kind of the right things to having Brits over in, in European leagues is helping. Um, we mentioned a lot when we were doing our podcast last year about um, farmer and, and stuff over in the DEL. Yep. Um, I think Liam Kirk over in America is helping us quite a lot. Definitely, yep. Um, I think the Peaceborough Pete's probably doubled their follower count all from British people as soon as uh, <laughs> it was announced that he went over there. Uh, they'll probably lose quite a lot if he ever moves away as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, <laughs> just see what the British following is... Uh, is like um i mean i would love to see the elite league get into the nhl games mm. that would be that would be something that would probably make me buy the game again um <laughs> at the moment it's like nah um, yeah yeah i i agree like the, the the beer pro mode looks pretty good for this year but i didn't buy last year and i've i've bought it like <clears throat> every year since nhl 11 and then nhl 20 came around i like played the ea access trial and i was like it's just not fun. Like I just found it really boring. I was like, like I could save that money and use it on something else, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is difficult. I mean, I would love to get a TV deal, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, perhaps if, if I wouldn't like the Euro millions lottery, I'd probably like set my own media company up and then just do it for the league. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, get some kind of, 
the problem is, is because the, the crowds are so much smaller. So you could, you could do with something like the NHL league pass or something mm, yeah. so that anyone can pay 10 pounds and watch it. That might help. Yep. Um, but you know, it, it is difficult and, and trust me, there are people who know the media industry a lot better than I do. And I, I know it, I know it to a fair extent, um, but there are a lot of people who know it a lot better than I am who have been trying um, mm. and there just isn't one out there. I think it was the Steelers live stream and Tony Smith said, you know, there has been somebody whose job it has been pretty much all year to in research this and to try and find deals and TV deals and there are no TV deals for the league. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, so it, it, it's very difficult to, to grow the league. You need some kind of strong following you know we need to in europe you would need to do wedding like the champions hockey league i think interest in the elite league probably rose quite a bit when the panthers won the continental cup yep um put them on the map a bit there um but i think you've got to do well in europe and then for the national side do well in the in the world championships and just try and grow it slowly it's going to be a long process I feel like it's all like your <clears throat> uh, English hockey or UK hockey, Great British hockey, whatever you want to call it. They just need a lot of luck and small victories. And mm. like referencing like the things that you mentioned, it's kind of it's a double edged sword in a sense because if you want it to grow in domestically in England, you need all of your best players here. You need all of them playing really well, like <clears throat> showcasing how talented they are as hockey players putting on a great show, which hockey in general is an entertaining sport, but if you've got the best players that your country's ever seen, more people are going to be interested, especially locally if their team's on a hot streak and keep going and winning championships and everything like that. But if we want it to grow across the continent or across the world, we need our players to kind of disperse more into European leagues, don't we? We need a British player in the yeah, KHL, a, I mean a British player in the NHL and, and in the other like European league. So it's kind of a double-edged sword in the sense of if we want it to grow domestically we need everybody here if we want it to grow internationally we need everybody to go out to better leagues really don't we yeah i mean so i mean put it this way so we're having um our bathroom decorated next week okay and so we had the guy who's coming to fit it come over and do kind of a you know a rec renaissance of it and just check everything make sure okay. he knew what he was going to be doing and we got chatting about what I did. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I do freelance stuff for the BBC and all this. And then he goes, um, I said, what do you do there? I go, oh, I do freelance work covering the, the Nottingham Panthers. And he goes, oh, where are they then? Yep. And I, so I went, oh, yep. it's ice hockey. And he goes, I didn't know there was ice hockey over here. And that's kind of the problem. Where if you say name a sport, everyone will go football and they could probably list about 30 football teams in this country. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Even people who have no interest in it at all will name a load of teams. Yep. Whereas there are a load of people who probably don't even know. I mean, I live on a small cul-de-sac. There's what, 11, about 13 houses on this little cul-de-sac. Okay. And I bet you 11 of them don't know that there's ice hockey over here. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. That, that's kind of the big problem. Um, but I don't, I don't really know what we can do about that. I know in Nottingham, they advertise with the football teams try and get people across. I know there are some people that like both. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, there is a fan base over here. The arenas, you know, they fill out quite nicely. Um, but it's how do you get it to a, to a wider audience? I don't, 
I don't really know. I, I, I think getting it onto BBC more often and some of the bigger news outlets because we win the World Championship Division 1B and go up to play against Canada and stuff like that, it's going to be those small victories that then lead to something else happening to which then leads to more people either fixing their eyes on it for the first time or becoming dedicated fans to it. So <clears throat> it's very I've much never known anybody, baby steps. I've never known anybody who's been to an ice hockey game and not liked it. Yeah. It, it just seems to be getting getting them there. And then we kind of have a you get a lose-lose situation because the more people you like, the arenas then can't cope with them. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. We'll have to just kind of see what happens over the next few years, really, and just keep trying, like you say, with the small victories. Exactly. Baby steps, folks. Baby steps. It's a good question, though. Very good question. Yeah. Um. The next question we have is from somebody who's already brought in a question for us on our first week, Martin Tolness, uh, at Towel Sneeze on Twitter. Um, should... <laughs> Should there be more teams from other European leagues in the KHL? Like one top team from the other leagues playing in the KHL. So kind of similar to the Champions Hockey League, I guess, in a sense. Kind of every single team, every single league has one of their top teams or one of their most successful teams join the KHL and it becomes across the continent. And now we, uh, we obviously know that the KHL has been looking to have a team in London, for example. I think they've been looking into Germany and France and switzerland and sweden like they're looking for these opportunities to kind of put teams across the continent and let's be honest traveling from the west of russia to somewhere else in central europe is going to be a lot less time than it is traveling from the west of russia to the east of russia because you know russia's the biggest continent in the world or the biggest country in the world so so traveling times you, you, some people might make that argument but you know like it's probably easier for a lot of the western conference teams to do that Chris, what are your thoughts? Let's go through this one quickly because I know we've got a couple more questions and we're running out of time a little bit. Yeah. So, do we're you running think, out of time a bit, aren't we? Do, do you think that every kind of country in Europe or more countries in Europe should have a team in the KHL? I think I think it's definitely an interesting proposal. I think obviously mm. it would have to be set up as a KHL team mm. because you can't you can't just put the best like the best team from a country into the KHL because some of them will just get destroyed. Um, yeah. So I think it would have to be set up as a KHL team and then they'd have to do careful research into, into that fan base. Um, so let's take London as an example. Okay. You just put a KHL team in London. There isn't a top-level British team in London at the moment. No. The closest one is Guildford. Yep. So in order to kind of like make it worth your while... You've got to get a big enough stadium that will get a lot of fans into the middle of London. Mm. I don't know if there's enough of a fan base in London itself, and I don't know how many people would travel from, say, Nottingham and Sheffield to watch a team there every week. Yeah, that's a fair point. So I think you've got to be really careful about the um, where you put these new teams. You also then don't want to take fan base away from a team that's already there let's take for example the khl says well burn gets sixteen thousand fans on average let's put a team there yeah because then you risk taking the fans away from burn i suppose so there's a lot of things to think about but it would be it would feel more a continental hockey league if there were more teams around the continent yeah I, I think I think the thing to mention here is Yokerit. I think Yokerit is a perfect example of kind of like that project being undertaken and 
<clears throat> whether it's successful or not. A lot of Finnish fans don't like Jokerit being in the KHL because now Jokerit's owned by uh, a Russian um, businessman or something. I, I don't quite know that off the top of my head. And obviously they can't travel to away games that easily. So the Jokerit fan club, they have to travel potentially to China to go and watch their team play away, whereas they would have been able to travel elsewhere in Finland in the previous years. So yeah. I think I think in terms of the... Um, for the K from the KHL's perspective, yeah, definitely. I think that would be quite good for them. But it's got to work within the setting of these other leagues around the world, which which we've seen with Jokerit. I'm not necessarily sure. They've been successful on the ice, but I think for fans and all the off-the-ice stuff and kind of the little things that kind of nag away at, at fans, not so much. So we could. I, I think we're going to see some more teams join the KHL from elsewhere in Europe. I'm not quite sure where they're going to be from, though. And I think that's kind of the exciting part about it as well, to see, yeah. you know, find, instead of taking an already established team, maybe they do an expansion. So, say, London, for example, they do an expansion draft for a London team or a Paris team or uh, a team in Germany or Switzerland. Like, not necessarily go somewhere where, say, take Switzerland, for example. There are, They've got lots of hockey teams there that do very well. Put it in a place where there's been growing interest for a team and they know the Swiss fans will show up. So put the team there, have a bit of an expansion draft. They can also take from the pool of Swiss players as well, like Jokerit has been doing with the Finnish pool of players, and they should be able to get a good team together and hopefully get something going. So I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. There has been talks the last sort of five years of them expanding elsewhere into uh, elsewhere into Europe. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon, given the current circumstances, but we'll have to wait and see and see what happens. So uh, the final question I have, Chris is from not cut or not QUT. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his, his name exactly, but he says, great show again. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, what's your opinion on leagues being closed versus having promotion or relegation? So, so what's your thoughts on a league like the NHL, like the KHL, where if you finish last, you finish last, you suck, essentially. Um, Personally, I greatly dislike leagues being closed. For example, the Finnish Liga he gives um, being closed basically makes the Mestis League, which is their second tier league. If you want a comparison, it's essentially the AHL of Finland and the Liga being the NHL of fin Finland. So he says essentially the Mestis League, he says is kind of meaningless and the hype for promotion games would be massive for sort of the top teams in the Mestis League or the Hockey Svenskun or the National League B some of these teams getting the opportunity to go up to the big leagues and, you know, try their hand at, uh, at playing in the, the, the top league in the country. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? We're running out of time a little bit, but give us like a rough idea of your thoughts. We can kind of pick this up next episode if we really want to. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see it. Um, and I think, like I say, it gives teams something to play for at the moment. You could be in a second tier team win every single game and have, yeah, okay, you win the league, but then you don't go up. Flip yep. side, it's the big one. It's money. Yep. Um, and there just isn't the teams, a lot of teams in the second leagues, if they went up into the first team, they'd have no chance. Yeah. And similarly for the first, for the team coming back down, you are, even if you manage to keep the players, you're, the money you get coming in is going to be, pittance in comparison. I'm going to come back to the Elite League again and I'll run, I'll wrap it up quickly. So we've got a closed league. 
10 yep. teams. And so you get, we get a load of imports in, you use 13 imports, fans of around, let's say, 4,000. Yep. Drop down a division into the National League. It's two imports, so you'd lose 11 imports because you're not allowed to play them. And then your crowd's down to a couple of hundred. Mm. So if you imagine you're, you're going, let's say, for example, it's the Sheffield Steelers who okay. get about 6,000 a game. And they're, and they're one of the better teams in the league. It's important and they're one of the better teams well. in the yeah. league, yeah. Let's say they drop down into the National League. You All of a sudden, you've only got two imports that you're allowed. And you've got an arena where the, the rent is going to be the same, but the fan base, okay, the fan base might stay, but there's probably a lot of people that won't. Mm-hmm. Given the recent poll from a low for, in the UK that's had, it was a startling number of fans said, if the teams have to put bricks in, I'm not going to go and watch. Yeah. So if they dropped down a league, I can imagine they wouldn't go and watch. You'd destroy the club. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. And similarly, if you had a, a National League side go up into the Elite League, they would lose eight, nine won every game yeah and it just there's there's got to be that kind of balance to it so yes i would love to see promotion and relegation um and some leagues do it the polish league as we've said it tends to be one up one down yeah um i would love to see it but i just can't see for the sustainability of hockey for a lot of the leagues it happening yeah i i agree i think there's got to be the differentiation of whether the second tier league is a developmental league or whether it's a legitimate can stand on its own solid league. Like let, this let, is let, the thing: a lot yeah. of a lot of leagues, it is all about player development rather than teams going up and having this, you know, core yeah. base and getting the team promoted. It is a lot more about player development and players go into the lower leagues when they're young, they build up, and then they go into a higher league. Yeah, it's, it's very much like, take the AHL, for example. Every single team in the AHL has an affiliation with an NHL team. They're not competing to try and be the best league in North America. They're competing, they're essentially, they're built as a developmental league that, okay, you can still make some good money in the AHL, which I would imagine being that developmental league for the NHL helps and kind of being like, okay, we're not competition here. We're here to help you. That means that, players that are drafted and kind of refine their game and grind it out in the in the AHL and in the minors, they're rewarded with an opportunity of going to the NHL and being called up to the team and making their NHL debut. It's the same with the National League, isn't it, here in the UK? It, it's not running as a direct competitor. It's running as a developmental league that we see a lot of National League players, especially younger guys, eventually move up into the elite league system and play in the elite ice hockey league. Obviously, the Mestis and the Hockey Elsvenskan might be slightly different. They might be more. There might be more parity between the top league and and the second tier league. So then, maybe it would be a good example for those leagues to consider promotion and relegation. I think it very much depends on the money that's in the game. Sweden and Finland are going to have a lot more money in the game than the uh, British league or the Polish league is. Although the Polish league does do promotion and relegation, because I would imagine. In Poland scenario, I don't have any inside information on this, but I would imagine there isn't that much money in the Polish league to begin with, so that there isn't that much disparity between the two leagues. 
Whereas something like the Mestis and the Finnish Liga, which is the example that he gave or they gave, um, there might it might be a situation where the Finnish Liga is head and shoulders above the Mestis and then would have that situation like Chris mentioned. It would have a negative effect potentially for everybody involved, not just the team that moved up and the team that went down, you know? I think, yeah. I mean, I think you have to look at the the leagues where you would think have to kind of be relatively balanced first. There needs to not be a show league and stuff under that. Yeah. But let's take, and I'll do this really quickly, let's take the Polish league as an example. Okay. Right? Um, have a look at, just when it loads up. So the division last, I think we mentioned this last week as well. So last, the div, the standings last season, the team who came bottom and got relegated um, got one win in 47 games. Yeah. And they conceded 363 goals mm. in 47 games. And if I look at the, I'm going to try quickly and get the, the team history up. Um, so, yeah, okay. The year before, they were in the second division and they got promoted. And then they won one game out of 47 and have come straight back down again. Yeah. Same before. In 2016-17, they were the champion of Poland 2, went up, played 38 games, won five games, came straight back down again. So yeah. there's such a disparity between those two leagues and you just can't have that in every single league. It's not going to be good for anybody. Uh, especially in something like Sweden or Finland yeah. where there's a lot more money involved in the game as well and it can have a huge financial impact on both leagues and both teams going up and down if there's this situation. So I think it's it would be very much, much better. To... It would be it. much better with the AHL, NHL system of every team in the lower division having an affiliate and it being yeah. used as a developmental league. That, I think, is better than promotion and relegation in 90% of cases. Exactly. And it gives the, the lower tier leagues to kind of have the opportunity to ask for funding from those bigger leagues. It's like, look, we're doing, we're helping you out here. We scratch your back, you scratch ours, you know. So then it means that the entire system is a lot better. And this is why this is why uh, North America has been such a solid world junior candidate and a under 18, yeah. under 20 and world championship candidate for so long. Obviously, the fact they've been a hockey hotbed since the beginning of the sport, obviously. But you also got to remember, like, United States, the United States have risen up in those rankings. They weren't always a hockey hotbed. And you've got these other leagues that are going, okay, we're going to help you develop your players. We're going to have a really strong system in place. There's no competition. We're all working in this together. Kind of like you're on a, t a member of a team on a roster, you know? We're all, we've all got our specific roles. We need to make sure we fill them in order to make sure everybody's happy, everybody's successful. The Mestis is never going to be better than the Finnish Liga, potentially. The Allsvenskan is never going to be better than the Swedish Hockey League, potentially. So why not play to their strengths the fact that they're really good at developing young players and... Yeah helping fast track them to better competition and then potentially to the NHL. So you can have the, you can have the kind of the pride in yourself to be our team, help that player become the player he is today. He's just won the Stanley cup in the NHL, the most difficult trophy in sports to win. That's a pretty great achievement to have on your record, you know? Yeah. I think you, you potentially promotion and relegation would probably work more or, or could well work more between like tier two, three and four. Yes. And then just leave the top tier as, as like the show tier. Yeah, that's and, good. That's and, a good idea. And the top tier. But just have the promotion and relegation between like the lower divisions. 
Um, so that's something that could uh, could be looked into by by leagues around the continent. But no, some great questions this week. Absolutely, some really good questions, and I'd love to sit here and answer a few more. But we've been going for about ninety minutes yeah, now, so we do it, not have the time. We do not have the time to do it. So on that note, I think it's time to end today's episode of the Euro Puck Podcast. Thanks for joining us, guys. We hope you've enjoyed the show, whether it be the audio version on SoundCloud, Spotify, anything like that, or the uh, audio and video version on YouTube. We love the fact that you guys are checking it out. Keep sending us your questions, your thoughts, whether it's on Twitter, the YouTube channel, email, which we were we were quite surprised we had one from there as well. Send us all of your thoughts. But if you Alert want to keep up to any stories, and, exactly you know, interesting yeah. facts, because we just can't keep track of like twelve leagues. Exactly. Like if there if there's specific stories or interesting stories or funny stories that you guys have seen, we want to know about them so we can talk about them next episode. You'll get. We'll shout you out. We'll thank you for helping us find them. So do keep that in mind, folks. But if you want to keep updated on all things Europuck or the Europuck podcast, if you want to send us your thoughts, opinions, or questions, either from today's show or for our next show, which we record next week, you can follow us on Twitter at Europuck Podcast. That's at Europuck Podcast. Go and follow us on Twitter. We're getting a really good response from you guys on there. We'd love to see more of you over there following us. And if you enjoyed listening to either or both of your hosts today, which of course you did, then you can follow myself on Twitter at OddmanRushYT up there or Chris at Chris underscore Gadsby over there on the screen. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you again next time. Have a good one, folks.